Hello everybody, welcome to the Gau Train Talks podcast station where you get to listen to everything about the Gau Train. In studio with me today, I have Mr. Tsepo Kobe, who is the Senior Executive Manager for Technical Services for the Gau Train Management Agency. Tsepo, good morning. Good morning, viewer. Today we are talking about the Integrated Fair Management Project for the Gau Train Province and our guest speaker today is going to be taking us through that project also the fair management system for the Gau train and what the implications thereof are and the legislation that governs the entire fair management system in South Africa. So without further much ado, Putsepo, would you take us through your journey in the rail sector, your experiences and also uh, your involvement with the Gau train project? Thank you, viewer. Um, I've been in the rail sector for the last 20 years. Uh, in actual fact, I think a few years, a few days ago, I was updating my uh, LinkedIn profile and I realized this is actually the 20th year that I've been doing this. Um, you didn't start at 14 like that guy who just no, joined no, at no, no. <laughs> University of Pretoria. No, no, not like that. I, okay. I, I, I started 20 years ago when yeah. I joined Metro Rail. Um, and then I moved on to go and live overseas and work with a consulting company there. And then came back, joined Metro Rail again. And I'm really summarizing. And then yes. uh, just when the Gau train was about to be started uh, and we had a preferred bidder uh, for the system, I was asked to come and join the design team. Probably one of the first 20 people to arrive on the job. And that in itself gave me a chance to be able to experience the system as a whole, like literally from when we had nothing on paper. Mm. And it was just a concept to right up until when we signed the concession agreement, uh, just immediately after we had signed the concession agreement uh, and I had started some of the enabling works. A consulting company asked me to come and join them. They had a project that was in trouble uh, somewhere in the Karoo. Uh, well, they didn't declare the Kaboo <laughs> at that point in time. <laughs> Just the travel bit of the project. Yeah, so, and then I, I moved on there, um, spent, continued to spend seven years in consulting. Mm. And about three years back, I was asked to come back. Uh, well, I was asked two years before that, but I don't think I was ready then. And then mm. two years later, then I agreed to it. And then it's been three years, um, or it's coming on to three years now. Yeah. And here we are, and it feels like you've been involved all throughout the 15 years um, of the project. Now, going to the main topic for us today, the, the Gauteng Integrated Fair Management Project. Can you briefly tell us about this project and um, what its intentions are, and also just give us a, a brief overview of the local and international trends in terms of fare management and for public transport. So the integrated fare management, as the name says, it, it's a, a project to integrate all the ticketing systems in Gauteng. Uh, the Gau train, the BRTs, uh, the local bus or the municipal bus services, the Gau trans bus services, and eventually the unscheduled services, which is the taxis as we know them, and the other type of taxis like the zebra taxis, the Ubers and all of that would be brought on board on the same platform. The idea is for one to be able to travel from one place to another in such a way that you only use one uh, payment media. Mm. 
Mm. Um, and that is why the lo- the slogan is one ticket, one province. Yeah. And which then means you would be able to get people to come on board in terms of using public transport. Because in, in its essence, when you look at it, people don't take public transport because they don't know how they're going to pay for it. And they don't know where they're going to find an ATM, if it needs cash, and how many of these cards are they supposed to be carrying? Where do you get a card? And all of that. Well, whereas if you think about it, if you had the gold card and you're able to pay with it all throughout the public transport, yeah. everybody would be willing to take public transport. Um, and the project up and above everything else is to be able to engender the use of public transport. It's to get people to buy into using public transport. And in itself, then that means the congestion in the province itself will be reduced because more people would use public transport instead of using their own vehicles. Yeah. So one ticket, one province is about seamless travel, making it easy for the commuters and integrating public transport as much as possible. Yes. So what are the international trains then? Because I think this is the first for, for South Africa, if I'm not mistaken. W- what are the trains internationally in as far as uh, integration of, of fare management? Look, in, internationally, you, you're talking systems such as uh, TFL, Transport for London. Mm. Uh, and what Transport for London has done is they've brought together their bus service, the red bus service, the uh, the local bus services in each of the regions of the London region, because London in itself has now gone to where it's no more just a city, but it's more a a, a region a in itself. Region, yeah. um, it's the red buses, the uh, the trains, the regional trains, the long distance trains, and in itself it enables movement through London. I mean, if you if you've ever been to London around this time of the morning. You can't move because the if you're using your own car, you're going to get stuck. Mm. And therefore, it's to be able to enable it and also bring the tube on board. And, and that allows people to be able to travel with one card, which is called the Oyster card. And that is the, the, that is the best system at the current moment. Similarly, it's for you to be able to use your credit card. So if you've got a credit card which is um, contactless enabled, uh, so you do the same thing as you're tapping with a gold card on the system. Um, you would be able to travel with it, but it has to be a EuroPay, a MasterCard, and a Visa. Okay. Um, and on the end, we've actually also enabled American Express to be able to be used, as long as it's a contactless payment card. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the directions in which we're moving. So after TFL, who is uh, the next best thing? Now, in terms of EMV compliance around the world, we will be the second system around the world to be able to do that. So we are so far ahead of most people that by the time they catch up to it, uh, they would have to come and learn from us Mm. as the how train itself and as South Africa itself. And, you know, that's... um, we are, we are a country of two tales, you know, the, where like some things work extremely well and <laughs> some things, uh, you know, they, have, they are a bit challenging. But the potholes, yes, it so perhaps uh, one yes. of the examples. If I may just pick up on a city region analogy that you've made with London. Yes. How ready are we as the Gauteng city region to implement a project of this nature? That is a, a, a very complex question, uh, mm. viewer, but in itself, the region is ready. Okay. 
the region is ready. It's 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 just the geopolitics that are uh, are the biggest challenge, and and in itself. They shouldn't be because if you think about it, transport and and public transport in in essence is the most apolitical thing in the world. If you're stuck on the freeway, it doesn't matter what party you belong to. Mm. Um, if you're stuck on the freeway, it doesn't matter uh, who you voted for, um, <laughs> and it doesn't even matter what breakfast you had in the morning. Uh, was it a greasy one or was it a? It's a more. It's a more. You know, it's that sort of a thing. It it, yeah. it is. It, it it's the most equalizing thing in the world. It's a traffic jam. It's, it's you you. So for us, it, we, we think it will be easy for us to implement the project as a whole, and the project in essence will be enabled by the fact that every party wants to enable the economy of Gauteng. We are still with Mr. Tsepo Kobe, our Senior Executive Manager for Technical Services in the Gauteng Management Agency, talking about the Gauteng Integrated Fair Management Project. Now, we have you have given us a brief overview of what the project is about. And without getting to the technical bits of the project, I just want us to talk about the rationale behind the Gauteng province deciding to take on a project of this magnitude, greenfields by nature, because it's something that has never been done before. Just give us that context in terms of rationale. Why now and why the province? I think that, that, that one has to be able to draw, without getting technical, to draw themselves to the integrated uh, transport master plan for the 25 years, yes. which we generally colloquially refer to it as the ITMP 25. Yeah. So the ITMP 25 in itself seeks to be able to say, how do we integrate transport in the province as a whole? But in essence, when you go back to how do we integrate the transport as a whole, is transport is an economic enabler. Mm. For us to talk about certain levels of growth, because in, in, in essence, at any one point in time, if the economy is growing at 3% in the whole country, the economy of Gauteng is growing at 25 to 3% more than the rest of the, of the country. So we, we are the engine that drives the economy of South Africa. We contribute 33% mm. of the GDP of the entire country. So if we go down, and the economy doesn't work in Gauteng, then the country suffers as a whole because it's a big chunk of, of what we have to do. So, so to enable economic uh, um, development in, in, in the province itself, which then benefits the whole country, one has to be able to have a transport system that works yeah. and a transport system that enables that economic development. And, and, and therefore, the, the, it was only fair that the city then looks at ways of being able to improve integration. Now, let's go back to integration in itself. Transport integration is has multiple layers, and I'll only talk to, to three levels of that. Mm. So in itself, you have what we call physical integration. So in a building such as the Hau train station in Santin, you have all three modes of public transport. So down in the tunnel, you've got the train, mm. uh, you've got the Hau Thing, the Gauteng bus here and on the other they call it on the public transport level, and then you have the mini buses on the same level, 
In addition to that, then you have the shuttle services that come through into that public transport integration level. Now, that's physical integration. Yeah. But with that came the modal integration. So the different modes of transport are integrated through the PTI level, which is mm. the public transport integration level. Yeah. Now, you also have the technological integration. Now, transport for it to work better, it's got to be integrated. And therefore, the IFM fits or the integrated fare management project fits in on the technological level where you then bring the different technologies to be able to work with each other so that you can able um, integration and also efficiencies mm. because there are efficiencies that cannot be acquired uh, just generally by, you know, physical integration, modal integration. Yeah. And, and some of those come from people being able to know where to, how to pay for their travel and being able to have the information to understand what is the best time to travel. Yeah. And and what are the requirements uh, for for implementing a, a project of this nature? By its nature being a, a very technical project is that one, we have to make sure that the systems in each individual sort of public transport system functions well. Yeah. And then once you have that functioning very well, and the first line of it, we will ensure that the, the EuroPay, uh, MasterCard and Visa systems work because it's the easiest one to be able to do first mm. um, in all the systems. And then once we have that, then and then we have to ensure that compliance to the EMV rules, the national DOT rules have functions very well and has the, we have the same interpretation to the, you know, the, 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 the regulations themselves. And then from then onwards, then once the technology functions in each of the of the systems, then you can then bring it together. You touched on automatic fair collection, EMV compliance, and the requirements from DOT. And the question is, how do all these fit together? And how do you manage the complexities within developing or managing the, the city region project on fair management? Okay. So... With the ITMP 25 that says rail will become the backbone of public transport. And with the Houtrain for me now, the main trunk route in between the three cities, yes. uh, which is Ekuruleni, Johannesburg and Pretoria, one has to make sure that that functions first. Now, in itself, the, 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 the Houtrain EMV upgrade is actually a small part of the bigger project itself okay because that has to function first mm. so in itself what are you getting out of the how train upgrade you will get the ability for everybody to use their brt cards yeah. on the how train okay. which is the first line of integration yeah then what we then need to be able to make sure is that a revaya card will be able to work on Swanee's, uh on Ariang's. Uh, BRT system and also on Harambe's, which is the Agrilani uh, BRT system. So once we've enabled that, you actually have the first line of integration okay. where one is able to travel from Soweto uh, to Mamilodi with one card. Mm. And similarly, one is able to travel from Katahong to, um, you know, to Mabupani with one card. And, and that enables, so it is not away from the project itself. It's actually the, the central piece that makes it work. In addition to that, everything we've developed on the how trains has allowed us to be able to learn how complex this is. Mm. Um, in the sense that you, you, you then are able to understand 
how have the different cities configured their cards yes. and how they've configured those cards it's all based on how they interpreted the regulations and we then went back to where we then baseline to where what is the correct interpretation of the regulations and how do we ensure that all the cities can come back together yeah. again yeah then the, what that allows us to do it allows us to be able to enable what's called the the pay as you go pass on 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 the card itself or electronic ticketing terms is what we call your stored travel rights mm. uh so when you pay into the Hauteren card and you have a a value in rand value that's what we refer to as as str stored travel rights okay. um and and we will enable the stored travel rights first and then once we've enabled the stored travel rights first then we get to the next level of this complexity which is how do you make the period passes Mm-hmm. you know the monthly tickets and the weekly tickets to be able to function on With all the, the systems yeah and that is much more complicated uh you know it's easier said than done yeah no absolutely and uh, i think one of the conversations or future podcasts we're going to have is on the lessons learned throughout the implementation of the EMV upgrade vis-a-vis implementing the bigger project because as you said you are still within the implementation Now the next segment of the interview is about the how train itself we're bringing it home to the how train having been in existence for the past 15 years and uh, operation for at least the past four how or what fair management system is the how train using currently okay so the how train ticketing system is what we refer to as my fair it's it's a closed system it's closed in a sense that you know the the card can only be used in on 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 Hauteren uh, object or devices so validators you know bus validators the validators on the gates that uh, our uh, vending machines our yeah. ticket vending machines and our offices our uh, our ticket office machines um only and it, it it is incapable of being able to access any other uh system. Now mm. in addition to that our original system has a, has a duality to it. And the duality that it, that we built into the system originally. Now the duality is it's a card centric system. Which means when you tag, so when you load your card, mm. the 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 ticket vending machine writes to the card itself. Yeah. And the objects and the validators communicate with the card and writes back to the card all the time. But what we did is we then for information purposes for us to be able to manage the system uh, the right way we then set up a data concentrator in the background um it was not intended to be for clearing transactions originally okay. so what it is it's just simply recording so so and so traveled from Centurion to Santin mm. and we're watching this ticket go up and down every day Okay. And in itself what that gave us it gave us the ability to be able to tell you our ODs our origin and destinations. Yeah. And to be able for us to be able to understand what are the stations that are what we call uh trip generators and what are attractors. So attractors is where people want to go. Yeah. And so in the morning everybody comes from a generating station to an attraction station. So in essence uh Santin by its nature is an attraction station because there's jobs there and everybody wants to get there so you are able to be able to see which of the uh which are the highest load links but the the system still rides back to the cart all the time 
So the card is the central mode by which information is transferred uh, between the object and the different bits. So from the ticket vending machine to the gate mm. to the bus validator, that's how everything gets recorded. And then you take the information in the background and reconcile it for you to be able to figure out, you know, number of people that have traveled, the number of people who have used bus services and the ones that only use the train link. Um, and that, that has allowed us to mine our data much better and have a much better understanding than most systems. Now, in itself, a ticketing system is a means to an end in the sense that you get information in it that is not readily available independently. Um, and therefore, we had to set up a data concentrator in the background to do exactly that. Where, where are we moving to? We're moving to a point where the data concentrator is still there, but the data concentrator is also coupled with other um, you know, IT systems, which then allow for payment to be cleared. Okay. So if you're using your uh, bank card to access the system, then those systems then allow for us to be able to go back and forth between the bank. And so first thing is check you have money. Yeah, are you, are you good for the travel? Um, and then, then onwards, then on a batch basis, then we will then uh, clear the cut as mm. the day goes. All right. So that allows us to be able to clear the cut yeah. and clear you for travel. But it also allows us again to be able to then pick up the trends. So where are we moving towards? Are we getting more people using their bank cards and less leaning towards the, the STR type travel? And, and that allows us to make, you know, far-ranging long-term uh, decisions in the sense that as we're moving forward, the, the, the period products by themselves will be a thing of the past. Um, I understand conceptually people cannot, you know, people think for them to get a discount, they will have to buy a period product, which then, you know, gives them a certain level of discount. Yeah. But then in actual fact, we, we are now moving towards international trends, which talk to um, post-travel discounts, which enable the use of public transport and build loyalty and build loyalty in into the system uh, long term so you you don't do pre-travel discounts as we do in period products today um, and that's where everybody is moving towards because everybody is finding that and we have watched the the steady decline of buying of period products mm. because people want to have much more control over their travel yeah it, it only takes Hurricane Dineo to or X Dineo to show up and then suddenly your travel plans for the month have changed. Yeah, and you now are, are, what do they call it? So you, you now have to account for the fact that people want to have the flexibility to do what they want. Yeah. And they don't want their money caught up in a, in a period product. And, and that we've watched over the last few years because when we started off the period products was the highest bid that was bought mm. now the str account is the highest part of what it's still the same amount of people that travel but they've but changed change the, the the, behavior the, they're changing their behavior so okay. you, you have to enable customer behavior in the system so would you say uh, the, the current afc system allows for management of information, thereby giving you as the owner of the system benefits of business intelligence. Yes, it does. The, 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 the BI, in, in order they call it, in, in, in the system itself is, is, is incredible at the current moment. So okay. we are able to tell you that, you know, the heaviest load link is between Midrand and Santin. 
So the load link is like where there's the most people on the system. Yeah. Um, at any one point in time, because we know where people are are, are taking in. So you yes. can literally, even if it's not to the nearest person, be able to tell you that how many people have come through into Centurion. And as that platform gets cleared, we know we're going to have a challenge in, in Midrand. There might be a few more people getting onto the train, uh, but at whoever is in Marlboro is going to struggle to get onto the train. And then about 60 to, to 67 get off at something. Yeah. And then, you know, between 33 to 40% have an onward journey, which is then covers Rosebank and, and Park. And Park Station. Um, and in itself, as we are seeing trend normalizing, where we're seeing more people going towards the south, that in itself says we have to look at the system in a different manner. Yeah. So because you, you have to think of the system holistically rather than thinking of it as being just another ticketing system and, and, you know, the way of collecting cash. Yeah. And, you know, the how train compared to the other rail operators in the country is a triple P project. So meaning there's another private party, you know, responsible for those operations and to a certain extent collection of, of the fares. Mm-hmm. How complex is it to manage fare collection in a triple P setup? It, it, it is complex in the sense that you, you, you have two options. You have the option where the, the fares collected become part of uh, the total revenue, you know, the, the actual total revenue of what the concessionaire collects. Yes. In the other way, then what you do is, you know, the, the minimum total revenue, which is, you know, you've paid your operations, you've paid the loans, and, you know, you've earned some money uh, from a level of profitability uh, that is, you know, regulated by the contract itself. You can pay a full subsidy mm. to the PPP, and therefore they collect the fares on your behalf. So the money is rerouted back to you as, you know, an agency like the GMA. Or what you can then do is, and which then helps them to be able to market the system, is what you do is they collect the money to add to their uh, minimum, you know, required total revenue. And what that does is it incentivizes them because they use that money and the additional subsidy that you put on top to be able to service, you know, their business and to keep afloat, you know, pay the, the operations. And once they've paid the operations, uh, pay for the maintenance. And once they've paid for the maintenance, then pay the loans that are required to be able to build a system like this one and then make some money. Mm. They have skin in the game. They they have to be able to work with that. Yeah. Now, in itself, it, it, it's, it is complex, but it actually works. Okay. In the sense that, you know, we, we have measures to be able to check fair evasion. How much fair evasion do you do you have on the system? And that fair evasion has a marker on which it, it mustn't be more than 0.05%. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might sound a bit stringent, but that's the bank. You, If you're not looking after the bank, what are you looking after in the system? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think we have spoken briefly about the implications of the broader project for how train for Gauteng fair management and the upgrades that we're doing on the EMV. Any challenges at this point that are experienced within the current AFC system? 
Well, in the current AFC system in itself, we can't say there's particular challenges in the systems because the systems function. Yeah. But let's talk about the various cities and the complexity of mm. how they've contracted and how they've done. So but individually, the systems have to function, as I said to you, before we can try and integrate them. Now, in essence, how they had acquired their systems is they had acquired it in parts. Whereas what we had done is we had acquired the whole system uh, together. So the, the whole of the Houtrain is under one contract and under one collection regime. And, and therefore, what that does is allows us to be able to make various changes and adjustments to phase as we do promotions and do also. So we have much more flexibility and control over the system. Mm. Whereas in, 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 in some of the BRT systems, they had acquired the tracking system uh, on their buses as one part. Yeah. But the tracking system validates when you tag in and you tag out, it validates the route itself. The distance you've traveled. So if it's a distance-based way, it, it validates. But if this doesn't work, then you don't know how much to charge this person as they tagged in here and tagged out somewhere else. Mm. And in itself, you, you end up just being able to only recover an access fee from, from a trip from, like that. Yeah. And that in itself, it's, it's a challenge. In certain cases, the, 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 the systems have been acquired in such a way that the AFC provider is also the fair collector, which is a bit of a, 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 an anomaly because how do you incentivize somebody to make sure that they increase ridership on a system? The operator, all he does, he runs his buses. Yeah. He doesn't worry about how much money he collects because that's not his business. Whereas if you've got the operations bound together with a fair collection, yeah. then he is incentivized to make sure that he collects the money. Yeah. Whereas when, if you've got it separated out, you've got somebody else collecting first and somebody else operating, then you, you, you end up with a serious challenge. In itself, then there's the, the technologies and the, the proprietary technologies that have been implemented on, on various systems. And it's not the proprietary systems because there's a lot of proprietary systems. It's how proprietary the system is in the sense that if you have not made sure that you have got the flexibility to go towards open pay systems. Um, then every time you want to make any additional change to the system, you then have to pay. Yeah. And that's how it, it, it's working at the, at the current moment. So you have to pay the provider to make minor tweaks to your system, to allow somebody else to use Apple Pay, to use you know, PayPal and, and any other payment services that are there. Yeah. And and therefore, it's it, that's the, the, the part that is really challenging. Now, how are we going to bypass that? In the IFM, everything will be based on open payment systems. And therefore, by its nature, if you have a, a system that does not buy into open payment systems, your travelers and your cards will not be able to, to uh, be enabled on the system. On the broader system. Yes. Well, in addition to that, then there's the legislative and regulatory challenges. Sure. So when you think about it, Gauteng is a province. Mm. So our federal system in itself, or the, the three spheres of government, as some people refer to them, um, have certain rules. And those rules are set up in a, uh, in a very strict manner. And sometimes those rules bypass each other yeah. in the sense that the cities 
report to Cogta. Yeah. Uh, and they have their own transport departments that sort of dovetails into the provincial transport departments, but they're still a Cogta entity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a local government entity. And they have, you know, the Municipal uh, Finance Management Act, the MFA. Yes. And then we sit at a provincial level and you've got Prasa that sits at a national level. And all these entities have accounting officers in them. Yeah. And those accounting officers, then once you start telling them you're going to be collecting money on their behalf or distributing money on their behalf, they were going to ask you, what on what mandate do you, are you going to be doing that? Absolutely. And th- those are some of the things that we have to, to bypass. So the, the rules on MFA, PFMA, and you know national provincial governments have to be able to allow for a seamlessness mm. of a single entity to collect and redistribute fees or apportion fees yeah if we take the point further um what then are those legislative requirements now that are there in order for for us one for the Gauteng city region to implement the integrated fair management project and also the how train to to upgrade the EMV project. So with the how train, it's much easier. Yeah. Because the 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 because we have a concessionaire who's going to be collecting the money and who's a private entity, and he is not touched by all these entities. All the what do they call it? The different entities have to do is they have to have a mechanism to be able to accept the money. Sure. That is collected on on their behalf by somebody else. And that in itself, it's not a big challenge. The current MFA and PFMA allows for that to happen, okay. for you to receive revenue that is uh, from an, an, an outside source. Yeah. So that in itself, is, it, it's simplified. The challenge comes when then you, you, you then have to have one government, which is quite a strange one, a government entity collecting on another government entity is the most difficult thing <laughs> you could ever do. But a private entity collecting on behalf of a government entity is the easiest thing that you can do um, because they are just another contractor at at another level of the different spheres of, 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 of government itself. Now, what can be enabled immediately now? Mm. Now, what can be enabled immediately now is doing exactly what, they've done in in, in Denmark, in Copenhagen, and also in the greater Denmark itself, Mm. where they have appointed a private company, which is Rijakart, to do exactly that, Mm. which will then enable all these entities to be able to receive revenue from outside companies and and from outside sources more than anything else. So we are leaning towards that. Yes, we still want to have a greater control than the Danish government has uh, over Rijakat. Because in itself, long-term-wise, once we've resolved our legislative challenges, it is easier for us to combine it under a single umbrella in government. Okay. And and you've spoken about about the different uh, spheres of government. Which other stakeholders will be heavily impacted by uh, implementation of this project? Look, the, 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 the meter taxi fraternity in itself will be highly impacted. Mm. Their business model is changing. Mm. You know, disruptors like Uber have come through. Um, and in itself, they were sitting in that space where we start talking about personalized public transport. Because that's what 
Uber and meter taxis are. And, and by its nature, then it means the meter taxis have to come on board. And how they come on board, that is going to be a big challenge. Because it's a business model change. Yeah. When he was collecting 200 rands per trip, and he's got the 200 rands in his hand. Mm. And now you're saying to him, you're going to collect the 200 rand on his behalf and give it to him weekly. Later. <laughs> you, and possibly tax him. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not, what do they call it? I am not qualified to be able to, <laughs> to, uh, to have that conversation about yeah. taxes, but the, the, it is the implication of the, of the project itself. Yeah. So the business model changes, but by itself, the meter taxi has to be regulated. Mm. And regulated not for the sake of regulation and not only for the sake of taxes, but for the sake of the commuter. Because the commuter, let's look at Uber. I mean, I, I, what do they call it? You know, we, 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 we all have brothers and sisters that have been in this business that Uber has, you know, disrupted their life to a great degree. Of course. But what you need to be able to look at is, is, is the, the greater commuter. The, the greater commuter by itself, he says, I want to go from Midrand Station to Garden Road in, in, in Midrand. I know how much it is. Uh, if it's not peak hour, I'm going to be charged 69 rands. If it's peak hour, then I'm going to be charged 79 rands. Yeah. It's a supply and demand issue. Yeah. But I know before I actually get into that vehicle that I have been quoted a certain amount of money. Mm. Now, what happens then is, is then the ability to then say, well, yes, I'm willing to accept that charge. And I have the money for that charge. Yeah. Now, you get into a meter cab, you ask the same thing. I want to get to Garden Road. And they say, 150 rands. Mm. You speak to the next one, 100 rands. Yeah. You speak to another one, it's 200 rands. Now, the, the, the commuter is looking for much more of a certainty than that. And they need, for, for us to be able to enable them not taking their own car without, you know, they're looking not to have the hassle of haggling anybody about a, a, what they're going to pay. Uh, yeah. And once you regulate them and, and once, or, or once you standardize the pricing, because maybe they're regulating, might, I might be starting a taxi war. So I'm <laughs> saying, let's, once you regulate the pricing, then it becomes easy. And it enables them to be able to get onto they don't need to join Uber. They can join the the the, the integrated fare management project. Yeah. Have the ability and the apps to be able to pay with the different cards mm. on in in their vehicles. And most of those guys have a smartphone. And if you enable the payment uh, mechanism to sit on that smartphone, we are good to go. Yeah, it's enabled. You you talk mostly of meter taxis. Yes. So by meter taxi, are you also referring to the broader, the bigger so, so, uh, taxi industry? So the taxi industry in itself, the taxi industry is much more keen to actually join in. Yeah. Because, you know, there's, there's, there's we all know there's, what do they call it? Um, you know, it depends on where you come from. The, the, there's a colloquial term for uh, the money that the drivers take, yeah. you know? Uh, you know, some people will call it isogi, socks, you know? <laughs> uh, and some people refer to it as itrat. You know that kind yeah. of a thing. So, the, the, that leakage, the owners are much more keen on the system. Okay, but 
you are disrupting an economy and a, a sub-economy by now stopping the driver from being able to uh, you run a few more trips yeah. on a daily basis um, while running more mileage on the vehicle and also making the vehicle much more uh, unsafe because they drive the way they want to drive because he wants to make the owner's money first and then he spends the rest of the day making his. Yes. So if he can use the morning peak to make what is required by the driver, he can use the afternoon peak. To work for himself. To work for himself. Now, that in itself is how somebody is going to explain to the drivers. <laughs> and uh, the, there was a, a, a company that wanted to run a pilot on the Mabopani line uh, to do exactly that. And yeah. I saw them the other day and I said, so um, how's the pilot going? You know, after they had called the MEC to come and do the fancy speeches and cut everything else and cut the ribbon. <laughs> and they said, hey, it's not that easy. And I said, okay, yeah. that is fine. We'll order the collect. I'll, I'll check in with you guys when you've got progress or you will let me know when you have progress. Yeah. It is that part, the drivers themselves, that you're going to have a challenge with. But the the the, the owners themselves are very keen on it, mm. Um, mm. in as much as they understand the tax implications of the holding. But the tax implications to them are far less than, in actual fact, uh, uh, the the leakage they are the experiencing. The daily losses, yeah. Yes. yeah. So, in in essence, taking away the manual, if you would like. A clearing house of the cash yes. on site right. to to something much more sophisticated using technology and all of that, which might in in the process upset um, the workers, if you like, the, the drivers, in the, the drivers in, in but, the industry. But you know, over the the last few years uh, and other that I've been in public transport, I've come to realize that there is so much regulation. It, it in essence, there's actually regulation on how much a taxi driver must be paid, mm -hmm. how much a queue marshal must be paid. Yeah. Now, all that will happen is that it will actually just formalize sure. the, the sector the itself. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the employment, the employment contracts will change. The safety in, in the business will, will change as a whole because suddenly one is, you now have a tracker on that vehicle. Because the tracker links to the distance-based fare. Mm. And, and therefore, people are not charged a standard fare. So if you are coming from Pretoria to Midrand, if you get off at Centurion, because you had occupied a seat that could have been taken by somebody who was going to Midrand, you get charged the full amount for coming to Midrand. Yeah. And this will enable the business as a whole. And, and it will also enable the, the, the seat to be resold easily. So a, ma a massive overhaul then of the public transport uh, system, particularly in how we manage the fares. We have been talking about the Gauteng Integrated Fare Management Project with uh, Mr. Robe. As we conclude, uh, Potsepo, I know that the project hasn't been implemented or finalized in full, but just your insights that you can leave us with or lessons learned overall in terms of public transport and fare management? In terms of public transport as a whole, we actually have um, great opportunities in South Africa to be able to implement public transport the right way and implement it in such a way that it benefits the, the greater good of, this, of, of society as a whole. Now, we also have the, an opportunity for us to 
enable the use of public transport. Uh, I still remember even we ourselves, the people that worked on a daily basis on the Gau train, uh, when the Gau train was being designed, we ourselves were not sure that the system is going to work as, as well as it has. Yeah. Now, we, we, we have to move public transport from it being a, a utility yeah. to being a lifestyle product. And with it being a lifestyle product, which then means you wake up in the morning, you look at your, 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 your transport app, and your transport app says to you, it's going to be raining the whole day, and therefore, you know, and what's the nearest place where you can get, you know, you can connect public transport, and you say, at this point, and you then ask, at that point, is there a bicycle rack where I can leave my bike, is it secure, and all those other things, and all of those are, are enabled in, mm. in the app itself. Um, but it's about enabling people to have information about how they're going to travel. And therefore, intelligent transport systems can... You cannot do automatic fare collection without talking about intelligent transport systems. Yeah. So we have to enable, through the integrated fare management project, we have to enable uh, intelligent transport systems. And intelligent transport systems that then say, you know, when how thing they say, you don't more talk about the ordinary man in the street. You talk about the ordinary madam in the SUV <laughs> to be able to be willing to take... Move from the... From the, from the comfort of the SUV... To the comfort of, you know, a system similar to the Gautre. Yeah. Um, and then also in public transport as a whole, it doesn't mean because it's public transport, it has to be cheap and nasty. Sure. Um, public transport by itself, globally, is an enabler of the economy. And, and the productivity, if you look into our economic impact study, productivity dropped drastically when people are sitting on the freeway. Yeah. And therefore, we have to think differently about how we do things going forward. We've been listening to our podcast on integrated fare management with Mr. Tsepo Robe. Thank you very much, Tsepo, for joining us today. Thank you. With those few insights and lessons, we hope that we're going to have a follow-up podcast related to this topic. To listen to more about the Gau Train, you can follow us on Twitter. You can also log on to our website, gautrain.co.za. Thank you.